It's Market Monday on Gary and Shannon. Because everyone loves money. And alliteration sounds great on the radio. Rebecca, you didn't have to hear that pajama gram commercial by Gary, did you? I was actually waiting to go live on Facebook because I was afraid that if the music played in the background, my Facebook followers would not be wouldn't really understand where I was going with things today. Yeah, you didn't want to be uh, <laughs> accused of violating their ears. Oh, I can just... <laughs> no. I could but just I keep playing impressed. it. Did you compose that? Oh, no. Yeah. Turn that off. Oh, man. Hold on. You can't do the, the creepy voice and the music together. It's, <laughs> oh, my God. This is 2017. You could get fired for that. No, I couldn't. <laughs> I can't. It's impossible. It is impossible at this point. Well, Rebecca, it looks like the Dow likes maybe the upcoming tax bill vote. Yes. Well, the Dow this so far this year pretty much likes anything and everything. I think that's what it feels day. like. This is the uh, the seventieth record close today for the Dow. Uh, obviously, there are a number of companies that would significantly benefit from a twenty one percent tax rate. Wall Street is taking that into account. It's also uh, Christmas week, and in general, the market tends to do well at this time of year. Um, I think I I saw a statistic about December is is almost never negative. December is almost always a positive month for stocks. People are in a good mood. They're getting ready to take some time off. Um, But, yes, absolutely, with the uh, potential for a vote on Tuesday, there is uh, a lot of good cheer in the markets today. Is there is there any specific way or is there a way to figure out if there is a specific part of the tax plan that's making people this excited about it? Well, the federal corporate tax rate is the most exciting part to Wall Street. Lowering the tax rate from, from 35% to 21%, that's going to be a significant savings, as will the repatriation part where companies can take all of their money that they've got sitting overseas right now because they don't want to pay taxes on it, bring it back to the U.S. There are a lot of things companies can do with that money. One of the things that companies have said they might do with some of that money is buy back stock and give dividends both positive things for people who own stocks. I talk about this a lot. 50% of the country owns stocks. 50% of the country doesn't own stocks. So there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of economists, hoping that the money doesn't just go back into the market, that it also flows into the real economy, like hiring uh, people, seeing their earnings, their incomes rise as a result of that money. Those are the things that would really lift the economy overall going forward as well. Rebecca, one of my favorite money stories here in Hollywood is how much people earn on residuals. Like when people make movies that are big and that are played every year, Christmas movies probably, uh, how much they make when just these magic checks appear in the mail. Exactly. I love that story, too. Zach Ward, uh, who played uh, the bully in The Christmas Story. The kid that stuck his tongue on the light pole or on the on the yeah, on the pole, right? Uh, wait, or no, that, or was that no, the no. little brother? Scott, Scott Farkas is the one who wore the the uh, the raccoon oh, hat yeah, yeah, and like yeah, the, yeah. like red yes. freckles, and, then, and he had like but just bright blue eyes. And then what happened to him? Didn't something bad happen to him? Did he get uh, beaten up at the end by Ralphie? Well, that would be kind of fun. I forget. <laughs> God, it's been so long. And it was Ralphie's little brother that got the yes. tongue stuck on the pole. Right. See, we just watched that part of the kid getting the, the tongue stuck on the pole so much, I don't actually remember any of the rest of the movie. I, <laughs> I know, because it was just like a lesson. Don't do that. Exactly. And then you always wondered after you watched it, should I go out and try that? Or Yeah. <laughs>
is it only in the movies? Is this Hollywood or is this real? So he says, Zach Ward says, uh, he basically gets $1,800 every two years, and it comes in Canadian money uh, because it was shot in Canada. The movie was shot in Canada. He's now an actor, and he dabbles around L.A. Um, he's been in American Horror Story. He's been on the Keanu Reeves show, Swedish Dicks. Um, but he, he, he's, he's doing okay. Drake, um, there's a really funny anecdote from Drake. He said he got a check of $8.25 last March because of Degrassi. You know, remember Drake before he was a pop artist? He was on Degrassi. Um, so yeah, but he also is worth now $90 million. It's not coming from Degrassi. It's coming from, uh, the other career, the, the music career that he figured out. And then, uh, well, hold on. If I if I was Drake and I got a if I got a royalty check for eight dollars and twenty five cents, yes, I would make a big deal out of taking my limo or my car service down to the bank and holding up <laughs> this eight dollar and twenty five cent check and flapping it around. Hey, I'm Drake. I'm Drake. Started from the bottom. Now we eight twenty five. Nice. Um, <laughs> um, so um, I am Bialik. Also, so we know Maya obviously from, from- Blossom. Awesome, exactly. But she also had a a, a one-time uh, guest appearance on Doogie Hauser, another one of my favorite shows as a kid. Oh, my gosh, Love I know. I loved that show open. So she had this one-time guest appearance, and she gets royalty checks from the episode. The amount? One cent. One penny. She gets royalty checks who do you um, think had the better closet, Blossom or Clarissa Explains It All? That's a good question. I think Clarissa, probably. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm glad we're on the same page about that, Shannon. Yeah, Blossom was a little over the top, a little too eccentric. Yeah, it was It was a little too much for my taste, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, cast of Friends, though, they're the ones who are really making it rain. Um, they are getting, this is the statistic, $20 million. Stop it. Million. Annually, I actually, so I read this and I, I, I had to do a double take and make sure I read it right. And I wasn't reading too quickly because $20 million annually. That's insane. You don't ever have to do anything. Let's, let's all figure out a, a show like Friends and go on that. That is a good idea. Maybe there's something to be made out of Blake's Tinder profile reality show. <laughs> I think that's a great plan. That is crazy. Uh, Charlie Sheen is also a guy who's making all kinds of money from two and a half men. I mean, even though he was fired, he's still making $613,000 each month. Yeah. I guess it's okay when you get fired. As long as you're in the show, it's okay. Man, that is incredible. How much, do you get anything? Are you, were you in anything that you get residuals for? I was on a show called the whatever show. (laughs) Not a joke. (laughs) This will come back to haunt me. I'm Googling now. It was it was on the NBC affiliate in the Twin Cities. It was a teen news magazine show, and um, I was fifteen when I was on that show. I do not get residual checks, and I don't think it plays anywhere anymore. Oh. What year was that? So I'm going to say like maybe ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine. I'm going to try and find it. Wow. But you, if you try, my producers at ABC have tried so hard. They've reached out actually to the local. Oh, they have. Oh. Oh, okay, well then I won't. I won't have any luck. Then. Yeah, I don't think you're going to have luck with that. But um, it was it was a fun time. We I could actually time. watch you on TV anytime. So I don't know why I'm dying. To, like, <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of curious, honestly, to see how terrible I was. That like, sure was great. No, no. It, <laughs> um, 
I had braces and really short hair. It was amazing. We all did. As I, well, not all of us. As I mentioned, uh, it is uh, Christmas time, and uh, Pajamagram does include free shipping, and Christmas Day delivery is guaranteed. But let's, when we come back, let's talk about these shipping deadlines because we are up against it right now. We're a week away from uh, from the big Super Bowl of gift giving days of Christmas, so uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. Rebecca Jarvis has joined us from ABC News, uh, and she is the chief correspondent for business technology and economy. More coming up next. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Coming up next, we will have all the latest out of Washington State on that train derailment. Death toll is at six. They say at least two people are in critical condition, 11 more seriously injured. Tons more hospitalized, so we will bring you all the latest details coming up next. But right now, we are right in the middle of Market Mondays with Rebecca Jarvis from ABC News, the chief of business, tech, and economy, and the senior executive all-star correspondent to the Gary and Shannon Show. Whoa, senior executive. All-star is what I added. Yeah. executive all-star. Yeah. It's pretty good, right? I love it. Hey, the good news is... um, well, I should say the bad news is that what we ordered for you for the holidays is still stuck in transit. So, oh, what did we order? <laughs> Gary is totally pulling the wool over my eyes. You guys didn't order me anything, and it's oh. okay. I'll just assume you did. I put him in charge of that this year, <laughs> and never again. Well, my wife also put me in charge of wrapping certain presents, and I accidentally put a red bow on one of them, and I don't know if I'm allowed home today. A red bow is wrong. Yeah, this seems well, a little. Uh, there is a there is a color scheme, Rebecca. Seems a little next level Duh. Christmassing to me that there's a color scheme and that you got admonished for using a red bow when you're not doing red bows this year. I didn't. Well, then why is there That's a red funny. ribbon in the in the box? It's a fair question. I uh, I I just I appreciate the fact that you wrapped some gifts, Gary. Well, yeah, I'm the one who true. bought them. I mean, if, that never happens. They're from me. <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's talk about shipping because we yeah. are now, we are at crunch time right now. If you don't have yeah. something, you are either going to be paying through the nose for shipping or, or you're going to get lucky and hopefully it's you can pick it up in the store. Yeah, today and tomorrow are going to be your absolute cheapest options. Today is your cheapest UPS option. Tomorrow is your cheapest FedEx and U.S. Postal Service option. And there's actually an interesting consumer report that looks at exactly all of these different alternatives of where you could send it and how much it would cost. And they found that overall, sending U.S. Postal Service is your cheapest option. Of course, this is what you will do if you are actually sending the gifts yourself. In most cases, people are going to go to retailers' websites and buy online and have it shipped directly to wherever it's going. So Walmart, Target, Best Buy, they've all got uh, shipping right now that you still can get in. You can still make sure that the, the shipment gets to its place by Christmas Day, but time is running out, so it's really important. U.S. Postal Service will charge you a $12.50 surcharge. If you wait until the absolute last minute, Friday, they'll charge you a $12.50 surcharge on Friday if you ship it on Friday, but it will be guaranteed to be delivered by December 25th, Christmas Day. They're not, the, the Postal Service, post offices aren't going to be open on Christmas Day, but postal workers are going to be delivering packages on Christmas Day. And then, of course, there is always, especially today, the Amazon option, where if you're a Prime customer, 
Um, and you can do a free trial membership of Prime if you're interested in that. So if you're a Prime customer, you can do the free two-day shipping uh, up until pretty much the last minute. Uh, then there's the one-day shipping. And then on Christmas Eve, Amazon does the uh, the, the last-minute delivery. If you do by 9.30 a.m. on Christmas Eve, you can order on their site and have it delivered by that night. And then they also have, finally, their two-hour delivery, which you have to order by 9.45 p.m. Two-hour <laughs> delivery. Yeah, um, two-hour delivery. It's, it's like specific cities. This only applies to some cities, and it only applies to some items. So, you, so rather than leaving it to the last minute, maybe just don't do that. Yeah. Rebecca, what's coming up on No Limits Podcast? So thank you so much for asking. We have the most senior female executive in the music industry. Her name is Jody Gerson. She grew up listening to artists like Frank Sinatra and the Supremes, and now she's worked with everyone from Alicia Keys to Rod Stewart throughout her career. She's the chairman and CEO of Universal Music Publishing Group, and um, we talk all about how she started out signing a completely unknown person by the name of Lady Gaga and how that initial conversation with Lady Gaga before she was known to the world, what happened in that conversation, what sold her. And then I know we're not going to talk until after the New Year, guys, right? Yeah, I think so. That's sad. So so we have just, just one more tease because I, I really enjoyed this conversation. We spoke to a four-star general, General Ellen Palakowski. She is a commander of Air Force Materiel Command. She is one of the most senior females in the military, one of just two women currently holding the military's highest rank, one of five ever to do so in the Department of Defense. She has a fascinating story, and we talk about uh, how people perceive the military today versus how she started. When she started, she was in the ROTC program. She was the only woman. They didn't even have uniforms for women when she got started. It was around the time uh, of, of the Vietnam War, shortly after um, so it was a really interesting conversation, and I think I think people are going to like both of these because they uh, they shed a lot of light on on two places, both the military as well as the music industry. That I think um, often we just we don't really know what happens behind closed doors there, and they they both get into that. I love hearing these stories that you bring to light. You know, there's so you. many people that have such fascinating stories that we don't hear about. You know, that don't make the news, and it, it's really cool to see you do it. I really appreciate that, Shannon. Well, I enjoy it. I, it genuinely is uh, it is one of my greatest joys to have these conversations. So I love that people are responding to it. Um, and I really appreciate your feedback. Well, Rebecca, happy holidays. Happy yeah. New Year. Yeah, we're sending you a hug right now. I can't wait. 2018, the one, the one resolution I have for 2018, I need to get out to Gary and Shannon land. Yes. Hey, well, it's got to happen. You, how about this? You just tell us when you're coming because you've been out here. It's just that, you know, you never let us know that you're coming. Well, maybe she doesn't want to let you know, I know psycho. Safer than that. a heads up. We'll <laughs> well, Rebecca, thank you. Thanks, guys. Rebecca Bye. Jarvis there from, uh, from ABC News. You follow her at Rebecca Jarvis as well. She's got some fun stuff. And we'll throw a link up to the No Limits podcast on our website so that you can check it out. I didn't mean to name call. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, Monday, December 18th. 
We have been watching this story all morning long and all afternoon, and we'll continue to Amtrak train 501 on its way from Seattle to Portland, made it as far as DuPont before it jumped the tracks. The 14-car train, including the engines, the locomotives, 13 of those jumped the track early this morning. A couple of them ended up upside down on the southbound lanes of I-5, where the uh, where the tracks go over I-5. Two semi-trailers were underneath the train. Five vehicles. You can... Uh... You can understand how many injuries we're looking at. Death toll right now is at six, but we've got people in critical and serious condition. Joining us uh, to talk more about this, Scott Cardi, reporting from uh, Washington State. It was Washington State, that is. Scott, how you doing? Good to be with you, Gary and Shannon. It is a, a tragic day here in Washington as this Amtrak 501 train in its maiden voyage today went around a corner and off the tracks. As you mentioned, 13 of those 14 cars are off the tracks, scattered everywhere, uh, witnesses and, and passengers who filed reports from the uh, from the train have said that they felt some wobbling as they made their way into that turn, and then they just heard nothing but screeching metal. This was uh, this this track that it was on was new to the Amtrak line, uh, and was supposed to cut time, shave some time off of that trip. Yeah, it's supposed to shave about ten minutes from that trip between Seattle and Portland. And Gary, I know you're familiar with the area up here and and I five and how busy that area can get with Joint Base Lewis McCord there, also an Intel campus. So at seven forty in the morning, you've got a lot of people commuting, which makes it all the more amazing that of those cars that were below, none of the drivers of those vehicles were killed in this. Um, with the trains going through, um, you know, on that corner. In terms of it being new track, it's a new route. I don't know exactly how much of the track itself was new, um, but this is part of a massive project with Washington State Department of Transportation, and this is a path that freight trains had taken before, but this is new for the high-speed commuter service for Amtrak. Scott, it, it was reported that the the sounder the sounder trains use this portion of the track, and that that agency was behind the refurbishment, I guess you could say, of the railings of this overpass and, and the safety enhancements, and that this track was tested before this maiden voyage or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, do we know if it was tested by a train going 80 miles per hour or if it was tested by the Sounders trains? Great question. We don't have confirmation on that. I think that's part of the result of just the chaos of this scene. All of those trains are sitting in the exact same spot they've been since this morning at 740, and there's no indication they're going to get moved anytime soon with NTSB just now on their way out here. They won't get here till late this afternoon or early evening. Um, in terms of the test and in terms of the speed, we do know with Amtrak's own tracker that it was going at 81.9 miles per hour. Um, if, in fact, it was a 79-mile-per-hour limit, sure, it's only a few miles per hour, but for a train of that size um, going on a corner, you know, those are all factors the NTSB will have to investigate. Um, and we also don't know, is, is, is there a zone there that it was supposed to be slower going around that turn? If you've heard the audio from the conductor to dispatch immediately following it, his call is that we've got cars everywhere down on the highway. Before that, he says we're coming around the corner to take the bridge and win on the ground. Just strange. And and I-5 itself uh, through that area, it's not the only way to get from, say, Seattle or Tacoma to Olympia, but it is by far the easiest um, without going way out of the way, like around the military base like you were referring to. Any idea when they're going to reopen that? No idea. The Washington State Department of Transportation says it's going to be a long-term closure. How long, we don't know, but 
at least the rest of the day uh, into the night. And I, I cannot imagine, based on the severity of this scene, that they'll be able to bring in heavy equipment and remove all those cars and have all of their investigation and evidence plotted out in its points uh, by any time before tomorrow morning. So commuters are expecting to have to completely avoid that area for quite some time. Scott, the mayor of Lakewood nearby there had some safety issues uh, about this this track, this new stretch of, of, uh, of track here that allow the trains to go faster. Has he been talking at all about this? Has anybody been pointing fingers, or is it still obviously way too soon for that? I think some of the local leaders are trying to show some sensitivity toward that. However, Mayor Don Anderson of Lakewood, on as early as December 4th, as recently as December 4th, was commenting about it. It's been something he's been very concerned about for quite some time. The cities of DuPont and Lakewood have both been very active in promoting safety messages to stay off the tracks and, and beware of the distraction of the train. But Don Anderson, just on the 4th, was was making comments that this is an accident waiting to happen, essentially. Uh, and lo and behold, here we are on day one with the very first uh, uh, train going through there, and we have absolute tragedy. Mm, crazy. All right, Scott, thank you for your time. You bet. Good to be with you guys. You bet. Scott Carty there from uh, Washington State talking about what's going on there with this uh, derailed train. We come back. I found an interview with a guy who had worked for Amtrak for 17 years and was on that train this morning just because he loves trains. There were a bunch of people who were on this train, not for commuting purposes or vacation purposes or anything. They're just they're just train lovers. Well, and it's the first day of the faster service from Seattle to Portland, so train enthusiasts enthusiasts would want to be there. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Baby, please have mercy on me. Take it easy on my heart. Even though you told me to hurt me, you keep tearing me apart. Would you please have mercy, mercy on my heart. Watching the uh, story out of Washington State, at least six people have been killed, according to the Seattle Times, after an Amtrak train derailed from a bridge onto I-5. Two people in critical condition, 11 others seriously injured. Four hospitals say about 50 people have been hospitalized. Uh, At least one person in surgery. Governor Jay Inslee has declared a state of emergency in response to the derailment just about every uh, law enforcement and it, even military branch has uh, responded to this. There's a joint military base there, uh, Air Force and Army, I believe, that's right there alongside the freeway. The Pierce County Sheriff says that in addition to casualties on the train, which we know that there have been six uh, killed so far, some of the motorists that were on I-5 were injured. They said that there were at least uh, two big rigs, and five other vehicles that were damaged when the train cars literally fell onto the roadway. In fact, one of those train cars fell upside down onto southbound I-5 lanes. 13 of the 14 cars from the train jumped the track. I wanted to play this little bit of sound. This is one of the guys who was in the train, a longtime worker for Amtrak, so he knew what he was getting into, but he wasn't there as a commuter or anything. He was just there because he likes trains and wanted to be on this first a relatively high-speed run between Seattle and Portland. Or when the 
cars just started to go to the, you know, kind of on the side, you know, just, and then uh, it just started to tip, and then, then all of a sudden things started to go, everything went dark and stuff started flying around. Then I knew it's not good. And you were telling me that you were physically being thrown around in 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 your not I I because I, I was by the bulkhead, so I was knocked you know around the bulkhead and stuff like that. But then I was okay. I mean, I just uh, I shook myself off and was glad I was still around and not seriously injured. He said he did get an injury on his leg and that he was in. I think he said coach, which means that he was right behind. The locomotive is was the second car, uh, and the locomotive itself just basically went off the tracks based on where it ended up and was sort of parallel to the southbound lanes of I-5 alongside the road when all of the other cars were the ones that uh, ended up going the wrong way or fell off the tracks and onto the roadway itself. 24-year-old Eagle Scout by the name of Daniel Konzelman was about 30 seconds ahead of the train on the freeway when he saw it derail. He was driving with a friend. He said he pulled off the freeway, ran down along the tracks and over to the bridge to get to the scene. He says he saw three cars and a semi-truck on the freeway that were badly damaged, that there were train cars with their roofs ripped off that were tipped upside down on both sides of the track or turned sideways on the bridge. He says they climbed into train cars and found people hurt. Some people were pinned underneath the train, others who appeared to be dead, he said. Now, if they were mobile and seemed stable, he said he tried to help them climb out. If they appeared seriously hurt, he says he tried to comfort them by talking to them. He says, I just wanted to help people because I would want people to help me. I'm an Eagle Scout. I have a lot of first aid training and emergency response training. He and his friend stayed there for nearly two hours. He says, I prepared for the worst and hoped for the best. I saw a little bit of both. Just weird and strange because the people along the people driving southbound on I-5, the the train tracks were right next to the roadway. So if you're driving southbound, this train is headed your direction. And by all accounts, it's going 80 miles an hour. So it's probably outpacing traffic at that point. And what what happens is it's got a several mile straightaway there alongside I-5 and then just does a quick left bend and comes up over the freeway. And that's when and where this accident occurred is right as it comes up over the freeway. So there were plenty of people who could see this entire thing. And I can't imagine. I mean, we've heard the reports of people who drove past it or uh, pulled up on it after it had already happened. But there are going to be a couple dozen people who watched this unfold in front of them. And I can't imagine what that even looks like, What, how you would respond in an incident like that. The devastation is pretty crazy considering the amount of stuff that is now on I-5, not just the mangled cars and semis that are underneath that were uh, hit by this train, but the train itself. It's going to take two days probably to clear all of that debris and, by the way, giant train cars off of the freeway to try to reopen it. Uh, they haven't done... Uh, There are some sort of very casual news conferences that have taken place from the location. I think it's in the DuPont City Hall parking lot, which is nearby. But there haven't been any uh, official news conferences from Amtrak or the State Patrol or anybody like that that would give us any indication what they know, including things like a potential for some sort of obstruction on the track, something there. They haven't. There was one report earlier that that was a possibility that they would investigate, but it could be something as simple as, I don't know, it could be something as simple as 
human error at that point. Uh, there's a press conference going on, uh, KCPQ in DuPont, Washington. And she, uh, the official who's speaking, says that this was a was a pulled locomotive. This was a pulled, and there was an engine at back, but it was not using the power. It was not being powered. Yeah, and they've been showing a couple of different helicopter shots from the, the actual scene of the accident where they are showing debris that is um, circled. Someone's gone through with bright orange spray paint and circled the debris, but it's hard to tell exactly what that what the context of it is. It looked like there was a broom at one point, which doesn't mean anything other than there's stuff on the side of the track. So anyway, this is there's going to be more information coming out. The NTSB team is on its way, is expected to be in Washington State by 10 o'clock tonight, where they'll begin a very long night of investigation and measuring, getting this scene figured out before they remove some of the debris. John and Ken will stay on top of this, bring you all the latest coming up next on KFI. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Stay dry. Watch for another episode soon of Gary and Shannon.